Hey everyone, this is George Kroos with a solo episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. And I always like to do this at least once a month if I can, not to have a guest on, just to share some insights, some thoughts, maybe things that might help you, whatever your journey is, whether it's professional or personal. And I actually thought about how I was going to frame this podcast today, what, what I was going to talk about. Because sometimes I actually say, you know what, I'm going to record a podcast, but I haven't really thought about what I'm going to talk about. But I just want to take some time to reflect, to share, and pushing myself into a point of reflection really helps me get better. And I hope that this can help someone in whatever journey they're they're going through right now. Because it's not just the the insights that I'm trying to share that hopefully will help, but more importantly, the process of pushing yourself to reflection. I remember one time having a conversation with a teacher and talking about how reflection is so important to our learning is that we have that time to take ideas and insights, make them our own, and then put something back out into the world. And she said something to me, I'll never forget. She said, I don't have time to reflect. And for me, if you don't take that time to reflect, I don't know if you can really learn that deeply. And I understand why she said that, why it felt that way, because we are constantly bombarded with information, with ideas, and to actually just sit down with our thoughts and share them, write something down, create something with them, doesn't seem always too easy. So I just wanted to kind of model that process of how important this is to me. And I've been doing a lot of reflecting over the past several months, and honestly, I've taken a break from posting as much and sharing as much on my own because I just kind of want to be with my thoughts, share some different things. And this is actually part of the process of what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, for I think the last three or four years, I've been doing an email newsletter and it is actually focused on three things, something personal. So something that I'm going through right now, you might be able to hear my dogs right now. I apologize. Um, something prof- professional, uh, something I'm working on, you know, maybe something that's coming up really in, in, in the near um, future or something that I'm just, you know, developing. And, th- and then the last one is something profound. And that focus was specifically on something from somebody else, something I learned, connected, but just to kind of share a resource for other people. And I had been doing that for years and I was writing that email and would send it out every Saturday morning. But as I was going into last, um, into the last summer of 2023, I decided I was going to take a break. And part of it is I just like taking a break, uh, you know, kind of regathering my thoughts And part of it is because I actually didn't want to create something that would pull educators to it every Saturday. It was kind of, I want to give a break to myself, but I also want to give a break to my readers. And I think as I was taking this break, I kind of knew something was a little bit different this time in the sense that I was kind of just not feeling right in that email anymore, not going through that process. And I, I don't know why, but it just felt like it wasn't something I was passionate about anymore. And I feel that if you, well, at least for me personally, if I just kind of do things just to do them, but there's no passion, I feel everyone can notice that and it's not good for anybody. So 
I just said, if I take a break, let's see what happens. So what started off as a two, three, maybe even four week break that I was planning on having, it then turned on to six, seven, eight, you know, several weeks. And then eventually I just said, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, I'm not feeling it. And I think sometimes when you take a break from something and you then feel that pull to go back and then you know it's right. I never felt that pull. So I decided to try something new. And so what I did is I started this three things email. And it was a way to kind of force myself to reflection, but not necessarily be constrained to, I have to kind of fit into those boxes, but just three things I'm thinking about, whether it's PD, whether it's books I like, whatever, just kind of open-ended. And I think I've started really liking this because I'll talk about something that seemingly has nothing to do with education, but then actually try to take the lessons back to focus on how does this apply to what we do in schools every single day. And I think a lot of times there, there's an image I've, I created years ago, or, you know, I kind of went through this process where I talked about school versus learning. And a lot of times when we focus on what we do in school, we focus on becoming really good at school, but learning is all around us. And so that's why I wanted to try that new thing. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I, it doesn't take me as long to write. And I feel, a, to be honest with you, a passion of, of that process of when I'm writing it. So it, it's just kind of a new venture. And I wanted to kind of explain that to you. But here's kind of the interesting thing. When I was thinking about what I was going to talk about this podcast, I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll do a something personal, professional, profound podcast and maybe I'll do it once a month maybe I'll just do it this month I don't know so I actually have some notes written in front of me focused on you know these these three ideas these something uh profound something professional and something personal that's the order that I've written them in today so that's what I'm going to focus on and the first one I'm going to talk about is something profound something that you know really caught my attention um based on what I'm reading what I'm seeing from others and it was actually from the book Good Boss, Bad Boss by Robert Sutton. And it's not it's not a, a new book. And by no means, I've actually read it before, but I just kind of came back to it. And uh, there's a reason, I'll talk about that more in a second, why I came back to that book. And as I'm reading this, it, it, talking about what great leaders do, how they really bring out the best in the people they serve, I'm going to tell you over my summer, I see so many different schools, so many different districts, and there and it, it, there's something that I was reminded of is that the answer to every problem that we have in education comes back to leadership. And it doesn't mean that it's the fault of leadership, but it's always a responsibility. So let's say your teachers aren't doing well. You can just say, well, they're not doing well and blame them, but that doesn't actually help you moving forward. Part of the role of a leader is to actually help people find those solutions, find you know, the answers to those things. And like I said, it's not necessarily the fault of, of leaders, but it's always our responsibility. But how do we actually lead and how do we think about this? And here's a quote that um, Robert Sutton shared in his book, Good Boss, Bad Boss. And I, I really, really loved it because it is so accurate about that balance of what great leadership can look like. And this is what he shares. Uh, He he references a a, a former uh, Dodgers manager, Tommy Lasorda. And this is what he said. I believe that managing 
is like holding a dove in your hand. If you hold it too tightly, you kill it. But if you hold it too loosely, you lose it. And there, there is really no better um, quote that can summarize leadership. And there, there's something that I've, I, 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 that tells me a lot about principles when I talk to teachers, and, and it's in this response. When I'll say, like, how is your principal? And they say to me, oh, they're really nice. <laughs> That's a scary thing, right? It, it, you can tell that, you know, they, they appreciate the person, but they don't necessarily grow because of that person. I think that's where that, that, um, that really kind of sticks to me. And, and then you hear this other response, oh, I love them. They let me do whatever I want. And I understand that because you especially don't want a weak administrator telling you what you should do as a teacher, as a professional. I understand that. But really when you want what you want out of the best administrators is that you become better because of the way they both push and support you. And kind of going back to that Lasorda quote, you know, that push, uh, if you if you hold it too tightly, you know, there there is some of that push that has to happen. So you got to kind of find that balance. But also that support uh, there, the balance that I see sometimes, and I've shared this often, is that if you push people too hard, they actually will crumble. But if you if you show too much support without that push, people don't think it's actually what you're doing is that important. So you got to kind of find that balance that I've seen a lot of educators over the years leave teaching because they felt they weren't growing under their current leadership. And when we actually try to, and this is this is a problem that a lot of teachers talk about, and I think it's really powerful, is they feel so micromanaged. And I actually would say if I kind of fell in the balance is that I didn't maybe, um, I don't know if I'd say didn't support as much as I should have when I was a principal. I think part of it too is, you know, you always kind of look back on your career because I actually, I, I didn't want to micromanage my, my people. And part of it was because I didn't want to be micromanaged as an educator, as a teacher. So I always wanted to think about what's the principle I wanted when I was a teacher and how am I being that person? But the weird thing is micromanaging takes a lot of time that if you're trying to control everything, you tend to not be able to do other things. You not really grow. And so kind of putting people in a position where they know they have autonomy, but you're also there to help them grow to become better. And that, that Lasorda quote, and I'll share it again. I believe that managing is like holding a dove in your hand. If you hold it too tightly, you kill it. But if you hold it too loosely, you lose it. I think that's a really powerful quote and just a great summary of leadership. And this beautifully lands in to the something professional part of this podcast. And I, I've kind of mentioned it. Uh, here and there, but really haven't made a, a formal announcement. But right now, uh, myself and Allison Apsey, and if you don't know Allison Apsey, I really think you should follow her. She's absolutely amazing, brilliant leader, brilliant educator, and an absolutely amazing writer. I've known her for years. Uh, her and I met at a Michigan Elementary School principal conference that I was so blessed to be able to uh, keynote several years ago. And her and I just had great conversations. We've stayed connected ever since. And she'll tell you that she started blogging after that conference, after seeing me. And so it's really, really cool because her and I are actually writing a book together. And I'll say, you know, I say that in quotations um, 
because there's more to just her and I writing this book. And it's simply called What Makes a Great Principal. And I think Alice and I, um, kind of when we decided to write this book, this has kind of been a couple of years in the making. And I, I really didn't, really didn't have a vision of what this book could look like until I let it sit for a little while. And some of the advice I give to writers uh, as I work with them often is don't force a book, let it come to you, let it, let it happen. And basically I read her book called a, called leading the whole teacher and I really, really enjoyed it. And I saw elements of what, what makes a great principal and what that could look like in how she wrote leading the whole teacher and so her and I are working on this and we have identified five domains of basically what great principles do. And we base this on, you know, um, research that we've done on this topic, obviously, but also looking at what organizations kind of um, have shared and, and kind of synthesizing those ideas. And I really wanted to write this book, not because I ever thought I was a great principal, but because I knew I had a really great principal. And if I didn't have that great principal, I wouldn't be talking to you today. I'd probably be in a different profession. And I really didn't know what a great principal was until I had one. And so we share about this, but here's what's really unique about the book. We do get insights from uh, either current or former principals talking about those domains and really what they learned. Um, uh, and, and and how they actually shared it, how they implemented those ideas. But here's what's really unique about the book. Um, one of the questions I've been asking forever to teachers is, would you want to be a student in your own classroom? And the, the reality of this is, when you ask that question, you're really trying to understand who are the people you serve, what's their experience in the places that you actually create, and moving backward from there. And Asking that question, I think, is a really important one. But the other question, I kind of mentioned it earlier, is would I want to be a staff member on a school that I was principal? Too often when I, when I talk to people that, you know, maybe are considering going into admin, becoming administrators, they'll say to me, I don't want to do those things that, that my principal does. And I'm like, well, when you're the principal, you kind of do what you want. Um, you know, and I know that's people feel that's not totally true. The reality of really great principles is that if you are good with communication, if you're good with your community, you have a lot of flexibility, right? If you're getting phone calls to the superintendent's office all the time, things totally change. But there's a lot of opportunity to create what you wanted as a teacher when you became a principal. And here's why this book is going to be unique. We actually have uh, teachers or former teachers, even uh, a student or two who are writing stories about great principles they've had and how they actually um, showed those domains that Allison and I have focused on and really um, what some of the strategies that their principles use that brought out the best in them. And I think that's what's unique. A lot of times when when you read a book, it's coming from uh, from like a top-down perspective. People that, you know, were superintendents telling principals how they should be because they've worked with so many principals. But teacher, there's more teachers have worked with principals than anybody. And the reality of this is um, we wanted to get their perspective and hear their stories and share that. And so a lot of times I hear principals saying, you know, it's really important that we consider the people that we're serving. And so that's why we 
we're actually having this book as a collaboration between myself, Allison, and some really great principals, but most importantly, from the teachers and the students they've served. And so hearing their perspective. And so if you are either a principal, an aspiring administrator, or you work with principals, I think it's going to really be a great book. And Allison is just an amazing writer. I feel so blessed to be working with her on this. And the contributors we have, and we'll be announcing that pretty soon, are incredible. And so that's the something professional part of this um, podcast. Now, the last one, the something personal. Uh, one of the reasons I, I've been kind of taking a break from just posting, sharing, is I wanted to, I'm, I'm really focused, uh, I, I've mentioned it several times, I'm kind of embarrassed that I've mentioned it several times, but it's what I'm doing in my life right now. Um, I'm running the Disney World Marathon in January of 2024. It's, I think it's like the first Sunday it's either the first or second Sunday. And one of the, you know, it's kind of like a CrossFit marathon joke that one of the best parts about running a marathon is telling everyone that you're running a marathon. And, uh, you know, I'm not trying to brag. It's just something that I'm doing. And I, I've done marathons before. And weirdly enough, I actually finished a marathon when I was 29. I finished a marathon when I was 30. And my goal in life is to have finished a marathon in every single decade of my life, whether it's my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, my 50s. I've been waiting a little while, so I'm 48 years old, so I'm running out of time. And so there's like an 18-year gap between um, the last marathon I ran and this one, but I'll still technically have done it, you know, this decade. So it, I, I've shared about this because I've, I've done this experience before. And if you do this right, the marathon shouldn't be the hardest part of what you're doing. It will be hard. I promise you that, especially, you know, especially at my age, it's probably a little bit harder than what it was when I was 30, but it's the training that's really, really tough. It's exhausting. It's really kind of thinking about what you eat every single day, um, what you like making sure that you get in long runs going through this and it can become quite monotonous and it's hard. It's very, very hard. And so I think that's really a lot of my focus and kind of going through that matters. And uh, Chris Kennedy, he's, he's someone I really look up to, really respect. He's a superintendent in West Vancouver and he's, he's run for the longest time. And, and I've been asking him advice, um, you know, kind of say, telling him stuff, I'm doing my workout. And he asked me, he said, hey, what's your goal time to finish the marathon? And I said to him, uh, oh, I just want to finish. That's, that's my goal. And he just wrote, don't be that guy. <laughs> and I was kind of mad. I was like, seriously? Like, I haven't ran one in a while. But then as I thought about it, I'm like, he's kind of being the way I am to a lot of people that just kind of doing something to me really, you know, I guess there's certain aspects, I guess, where just doing something, achieving something is, is great. But I want to I want to do the best I possibly can, and I want to push myself, knowing that I gave it my all. So I actually, you know, after that, he said that I really started picking up my my running, really pushing my times, really trying to get faster, and challenging myself. And I, I told him I had a goal of something I was going to do during training, and I sent him a goal, and you know, he 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 applauded me. And it's kind of kind of going back. It's that push and support I was talking about. He pushed me, but then when I, you know, shared my accolades, he's he's right there backing me up. And even though he's not my boss, um, he's someone I consider a good friend. Having that push and support really, really matters. And so it's kind of an interesting process. But 
the 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 other thing that I think is really interesting is my kids are so excited about their dad running and I'm doing a couple races um, before just to kind of get back and they're not marathons obviously but just to kind of get back in the flow of being around a bunch of runners race day kind of wanted going through that experience and my kids see me every single morning get up take the dogs for a walk and then hop in the shower and then starting to train and doing that every single day and they see my focus and I think it's such a valuable thing when our kids our students see us actually doing something that's really really hard not because we have to but because we want to because we know through that process not just the product but the process it actually makes us better so that's something my kids are watching and what's interesting they are they're getting me a little bit nervous because they're getting so excited to see their dad run I'm like oh I better not blow this I'm a little bit nervous and my daughter Georgia and Clea they've been making signs to like say go daddy go and kind of just seeing this and it, it, it really, it really made me excited that my kids are watching this and I'm talking about it. Um, they're getting excited about it because they know this is not just about the race that matters. It's what I do to prep. It's what I do to get to this point. And I feel that having them seeing how disciplined I am matters and it actually makes it easier to be disciplined when you know your kids are watching and kind of going through that process. So that's just kind of what's going on in my life. And there's a lot of lessons that I'm learning through this process. And I hope just kind of talking about it and sharing with you, um, you picked up a couple of things as well. So I'll, I'll list some of the things down below. Uh, check out that book um, uh, by, by Robert Sutton, uh, Good Boss, Bad Boss. It's, it's really great. And it's going to be a great preface to um, what makes a great principle. I, I'm so excited about this book. I'm so excited writing with Allison. And, and, and you know what? I'll tell you, kind of talking about what I started off, there's no way this book was coming out unless I actually pulled back and took a little break from writing. I, I'm not a big rest fan. I'm a big recovery fan. Because sometimes we talk about like, oh, self-care is about rest. No, self-care for me is kicking my butt, kicking my own butt and kicking my butt to the point where I need to like kind of step back and recover so I can go back to kicking my butt. Trying to get better and trying to improve is part of self-care. Self-care is not just sitting on the couch and, you know, just whatever, having bad eating habits and things like that. Like, of course, there's time for that, um, you know, in, in aspects of our lives. But when I think about self-care, it's how do I actually continuously grow? How do I continuously get better? And sometimes through that recovery, not just rest, but recovery, that's when we get some of our best ideas. And, you know, training through the marathon, training through this process, it's such, it's like a, it's like a moving meditation for me that some of my best ideas that are coming for this book, some of the chapters that we're writing, some of the things that we're putting together come from that time of just being away from writing, being away from, you know, just constantly focus on our work and kind of having that process really does push me. So something I would suggest for you, find those things that you love that are away from your job, away from your everyday and Take time to push yourself because I promise you it will make you better for, for the work that you actually do. But if you are so immersed in your work, sometimes we get so immersed that we don't really realize we're burnt out and we're not necessarily as excited about what we're doing. 
as we once were. So just some insights, some thoughts, no music, no nothing other than just me sharing some ideas with you. I hope um, through my reflection, because I know it's helped me, I, I hope I helped someone out there. Um, but if not, I can't believe you listened to this then. I apologize. Um, but if it did help, I appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks for all you do. Take care.